So today is an extra special treat, a privilege to your kids out there in crime time and Golden Spike Empire hip-hop heads worldwide. This is uh, Damager, former AOD, old school cat, uh, sitting with the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, <laughs> the effervescent, brisk. <laughs> what up, man? It's good, it's good to be here, man. It's great to have an interview and... Chat my own homeboy damager from AOD, man. <laughs> it's been a long time. How have you been doing? Man, I've been doing good, man. You know, same old stuff and, you know, just being a freaking B-boy and I can never grow up and, you know, that's just basically how I'm living, man. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. It's contagious. <laughs> it is. It really is. So, you know, tell me a bit about, you know, we're inside your studio right now and, uh, you know, we're not going to really talk a whole lot about music, although that really seems to be like the main thread of life. Uh, how did you get started? Uh, did you start doing music, or did you start with graffiti art? Let me tell you. Um, graffiti was definitely the basis for everything that I do today. Because through graffiti, I was able to learn about the connection of hip-hop culture, you know, through music, you know, whether it be DJing or rapping. For me, graffiti was my star. That was, my, that was me being a general in hip-hop. That was my, like, badge. You know what I'm saying? All the way up from like, I would say from like 90, you know, up until hard, like, you know, 97, 98, as you know, we had our store function. And when we opened function, you know, a lot of opportunities came about, you know, through that, through music. So that's basically how I started getting into that, you know, with the records and the DJ and recording and. You know, all that, you know what I'm saying? But we're not here to talk about all that music shit, man. We're about, we're just about to talk about some hardcore bombing, you know what I mean? I, 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 could, I could talk to you for hours though, about your music as well, though, man. Your motivation and a inspiration to MCs Every, and B-Boys Worldwide. Everybody wants to talk to you about music, man. I want to I wanna talk about some graffiti, man. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how, how did you get started? How old were you? What were your first crews? When I was in eighth grade, me and my friend, we lived in West Valley, uh, we started writing our names. I mean, it wasn't so much, you know, it wasn't so much supposed to be like, you know, a hip hop thing. You know, we were all, we were all, of course, into rap music, especially like 88, 89 when all the gold nourish shit was out. So we were heavily into rap music. Graffiti just kind of came about because, you know, we, you know, you saw Beat Street, you know, and then I remember there was this breakdance record that came out I got when I was younger and it was like, on the cover, it had all these different, you know, graffiti pieces and writings on the front. And I remember there was this one writer on there. I think his name was Picasso. One, he had a number. I can't remember his number, but I'm sure he was a famous writer in New York. But I remember I used to trace his Picasso letters, man, like how he flipped his name. Oh, dope. And started, you know, t tweaking letters out, you know what I'm saying? So I would say in, when I was in ninth grade, the summer between 8th and ninth grade, we'd been painting around our neighborhood, you know, mostly marker tags, not so much ray paint yet. We were still walking around with markers, trying to get up, whatever. In the summer between 8th and ninth grade, I met this cat named <laughs> He was a Samoan cat. He'd moved from, I think he was from Norwalk, if I remember, California. Anyway, he came out here, and he was a writer from there. And his writing styles, to me, were just dope. I was like, wow, I'd never seen such a cool style like I, I i tried to emulate things i had seen different styles like whether it be mostly new york because that's what everything you see if you saw back then there wasn't there wasn't internet there wasn't graffiti magazines you know um, we didn't have access to that so whatever we saw is what influenced us whether it be some graffiti on an album cover or you know even even the the, the styles that raymond was using in beach street you know he was just trying to emulate and try to you know get graphing and then when this kid phoenix came that's when i really got a foundation for writing and throw-ups like being able to get some correct hand styles being able to you know put my letters together so it looked coherent it didn't look like just a scribble you know what i mean yeah. like get the, you know how it is to get that writing you know style down you know and it's interesting because i think about hand styles in utah all the time and i think and i see writers today and i still see that that certain style that all utah writers i think have whether it be in throw-ups or in the writing, Utah definitely has its own brand of writing styles, like hand styles that you don't see anywhere else. Amen. You know? And like the throw-ups, too. Everybody has a certain kind of way of doing throw-ups, even though people have their own little steez. Yeah, I yeah. see a lot of cats coming out with the one-liner throwies, which is awesome, but I still see that 95 in there. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> the I still original. see 96 <laughs> in those letters, you know? I've seen uh, 
some throwies just the other day, and it just reminded me of like, uh, you remember Scare? Oh yeah, yeah Scare. Right, his <laughs> letters, because he'd always have a round, round bottoms, and then the tops of his letters would have the straight hard keys. Yep. Everything would be stiff and square, and like hard lines, and the bottom be all round. That style always reminded me of him, of those dudes. So I see cats like that, you know. Uh, people think of SADK, they think of our styles, and they think mostly of the mob, straight, uh, slant letters, uh, West Coast S's, uh, the K with that looked like an arrow sitting on its side with the three points from the top, you know. Um, I think, I don't know, I took, I took all different kinds of learning of, of different people's styles and just kind of tried to put it into my own little... Little thing. Another dude, man, that we need to definitely mention. I don't know if he's been mentioned, but we got to mention Defy from DSK. Oh, word. <laughs> now, Defy, this guy, I met him. I probably met Defy in 94 at Plaza Billiards in West Valley. We, ha we had like a writer's meeting. It was our crew. It was a couple dudes from DSK, and I believe Big Zach was there, if I remember correctly, from AOZ. Right. Uh, none from AOD was up in the None from AOD, yep. And I remember him sitting there. I caught shit for this. I remember... Defy sitting at Plaza Billiards, right, rocking styles on these napkins. We were all just kicking back, you know, just sitting, playing video games, pool, whatever it was. But I remember Defy kicking styles. I remember all the different styles he was kicking. I was like, damn. I was like, these dudes got some styles, like just some crazy, like, it was that definitely that West Coast gangster feel, but it definitely had flavor to it. So, man, I, I remember some of my cool early writing was definitely influenced by Defy from DSK. His styles were styles were hard and there was always like these um, everybody was like well who was here first who was doing it first who was doing it first <laughs> I think I even asked you that like back in the day too like and, I, uh... and, and, I'm, and I look at it I look back now I look back now and I see that we when we were younger we didn't drive yeah so we were isolated in our neighborhoods right yeah we were in West Valley you know uh, we had cats that we wrote with there was crews out of West Valley, a crew called uh, CMK, Criminal Minded Kings. I remember they, were, they weren't they were the best riders, but they used to get up like crazy. Uh, there was HOA Hoodlums of Art. That was a crew that me and Chance, from who was later in SADK, uh, we started. This was like, God, I was probably sophomore year in high school. So, yeah, something like that. Maybe it was even before that. But, you know, it's hard to say who started what because everybody was doing their own thing in their different regions. I remember the first rider I seen that wasn't from West Valley that I had seen get up in West Valley besides us was Basque. Basque. You guys remember Indo. Indo, also known as Indo. Yeah. Or maybe we shouldn't say that. Yeah. I got to say, I got to say, now I, I can say this now looking back that I remember uh, I was at Valley Fair Mall and there was a, a bush, you know, the enclosed bush bench with the plastic windows. Uh -huh. And I remember Basque did this scribe. And I hadn't even thought about using scribes yet. I hadn't even thought about sandpapering up, you know, plastic windows or, you know, bus things or whatever. And I remember seeing this Basque tag, and it was just scribbled in the back of this, uh, you know, the bus bench. And I remember in his S, he put the dollar sign in his S. And I was like, oh, that's hard. <laughs> I remember how hard I thought that was. So I remember for, for a short smidge, there were some brisk tags running around town with little dollar, dollar sign S's <laughs> and question mark endings and shit. So I, you know, we I think everybody kind of influenced everybody, you know, and and I would say around 1995 was when the the scene of everybody came together. I think it was late. It was probably late 94 was when I started meeting cats from the east side. Some of the first dudes I met were dudes that got an SDK, uh, Shrack, uh, you know. Basic dudes like that, you know what I'm saying? I shouldn't be saying names, huh? Well, you bad. know, everybody. Well, there's all kinds of writers out there, and you know, we all have different names and stuff. Uh, so, like, <laughs> it's good to know the. It's good to know people's uh, uh, writing names. Well, I figure, you know, man, most of these cats are just doing doing their family things now. So, I, I don't know. I get all. I get all, I get all, I get all <laughs> we get motivated by our relationships. I get all sentimental and excited, start spitting out names. Better watch it, man. I'm gonna oh. get, get somebody arrested. <laughs> I uh, doubt watch that. It, Riz, watch it, son. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't until I would say late '94. Early '95, when we started really linking up with writers from all around the city, I met Jason Woodland, Shrack. Um, when I got into SADK, that's when I had met Chu. I met a writer named Beam. Uh, I've known Igloo. Me and Igloo were in a crew together before SADK called Two DS, Too Damn Smooth. Too Damn Smooth. And uh, and that was kind of a precursor. That was kind of like a, I guess you could call a trial crew for SADK because when SADK first came to Salt Lake, it was brought to Salt Lake by John Mila, the oldest Mila. Of you know Ed Ed Mila and uh, remember Craig 
all those dudes. As far as I understood, he was the dude that brought SADK here and was the original first dude to rock it. And then dudes like Circo, uh, Craig, those guys were like the first SADK riders in that crew. It wasn't until probably 93 that me and Igloo got put in the crew and Chu was in SADK at the time. Uh, like I said, the other kid, Deem and Shrek. So when I met those guys, that was kind of my connection into the east side. So from then on, we go to parties together. We started kicking it, started meeting other dudes. And I remember I remember when we was getting up hard, I mean, when we was killing it, I remember AOD was on the east side, and they had just stopped using TBH. They were writing TBH, and then kind of some cats did their own thing. Some cats moved over to AOD, but I, I would say predominantly TBH turned into AOD. I mean, Yeah, there are quite a few heads there, yeah. Know? So I... I remember, man, there was all this talk. Like, oh, man, these dudes on the east side, man, they ain't feeling it, man. They ain't feeling you guys. Or, oh, man, forget those dudes, man. We're going to go. We're going to we're gonna battle. Let's battle. Who's, we're the best. Oh, we're the best. We're the best. <laughs> you know? And then I remember oh. you were there, dude. I remember <laughs> um, it was, this had to be probably late 94. I was with Jason Woodland. And we're whipping. And, oh, and Igloo, too. And we met AOD. All you guys for the first time. It was everybody. I mean, uh, Maze was there. Uh, Sledge was there Big Zach was there Fewer was That was the first time I had met Fewer, Fewer. And it's funny Because me rest and Fewer Had words over the phone Yeah rest in peace Fewer It was funny Me and Fewer Had words over the phone You know we all And when we all Finally met each other And we all realized We had the same ambitions And the same goals And those goals Being to take over the city To be the most stuff Because I don't give a fuck I was killing it You, you were you were, you were one of the I, I, I <laughs> One was, of the most up riders That Salt Lake has ever had I really was Word. all about it I was so competitive I was just I was like Oh we gotta go to the east side It would be about Man we gotta get gas money Because we gotta go up To Highland Drive Let's go mob up Where all the east side riders Are going Let's go up there Let's go get up You know we go up On the east side Get down and Then we'd be like Oh okay man It's time to go to uh it's time to go to Ogden. Let's go represent up in Ogden. <laughs> go up to Ogden, put it down. Um let's see. Speaking of Ogden, we gotta bring up Deja, you know, this is his whole shit. I met Deja probably in ninety six. Late ninety five, early ninety six. And uh I think I think I basically got them got them down with S A D K. They were they were they were ill, dude. Like him and Crook, this dude named Crook, you remember Crook? Right. Um he's living in Vegas now tattooing. Lucky guy. See, he's one of the guys kept it doing his art. Him, Chew, these guys, man, lucky. Freaking ego. All them kids are still doing art, man. Yeah, inspirational. Man. Yeah, it is inspirational. It's, it's it's dope. So let me let me don't let me get let me not get sidetracked. So I met all AOG early late ninety four early ninety five. We started hooking up, and then it was all love. We'd paint together. Me and Big Zach or none started kicking it, and like all of everybody's styles started coming together. Everybody was starting to be influenced by other people's shit. You know what I'm saying? And like at the time. Uh, Igloo to me was the baddest like as far as painting you know so we felt like we had that arch in our like he was just a badass artist I, it was unfortunate he wasn't able to get up as, as much as he he should have and he should have got way more recognition I don't think Igloo has gotten enough recognition in Salt Lake Graffiti I don't hear his name enough but this guy this guy's styles were killing everybody like it was hard it was hard to be in a, in a room next to this dude we'd be in our books doing styles or kicking shit and and, and see the stuff he was doing it was just like oh this fucker <laughs> <laughs> gotta put in overtime just to step <laughs> yeah I remember Igloo was so ill so that dude really kept me up on my game too cause like I said I'm very very competitive dude I always wanted to be I always wanted to be the best I always gotta be the one doing it so I remember me, me Igloo being that he was a west sider was awesome. Yeah. So we we all had this conglomerate of west two as well, man. Uh. Of west side riders, we were like us. Uh. So it was kind of like a west side, east side, and then everybody, like I said, when everybody started meeting each other, like ninety five, ninety six, everybody started branching off, and you started seeing cats from SADK joining crews with cats from AOD, and everybody forming their own little side things. You had IBC, uh, me and Chu and Resist, uh, and a bunch of ca different dudes, a couple AOD cats. We formed CAB. Uh, cities are burning. Uh, yeah, there's just been so many, you know, there were so many different side crews and things we got involved. But meeting everybody, what I'm saying is when we met, when everybody got face-to-face, -face, the east side, west side rise, and everybody was doing it, that's when the graffiti thing took off because then everybody started exploding because they're, oh, now I know who Brisk is. Now I'm going to go out and do this. dude. Oh, I know who Fuhrer is now. I'm going to go out and, you know, get, get up where he's getting up, get my, you know, my stuff <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great, great stuff. So, I would say 90, 1995 was a very, very busy year in Utah graffiti. 
Oh, let me not forget. In 94, we were involved in a battle with this crew, TM. Uh, well, I don't even remember what it stood for, but they were from San, San Bernardino. It was a, like three or four dudes that had come here. And the main dude was this dude named Sent. And they had come here, I believe, through Job Corps. And they were all from California. They probably got in trouble. Anyways, they came out here, and they had that whole West Coast style. And they were just tagging. They were getting up downtown, killing. I remember our egos were getting pretty uh, They were absolutely destroying I remember that. Areas. I remember that. They were up, up. Yeah. They, so, didn't, they, they didn't. They didn't. No restrictions. No holds barred, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there, and there, there it goes again with the competition and graffiti <laughs> ego thing. So we're like, man, fuck this shit, dude. TM, man, they're getting up everywhere. Man, fuck that. This is our city. We gotta, we gotta take, we gotta take <laughs> over. We gotta come, we gotta come back at these guys. So there was a few meetings we had, like our whole crew and their whole crew. Mm-hmm. There used to be this park behind, well, God, Crossroads Mall ain't even around anymore. There used to be this park behind Crossroads Mall, and our two crews. I mean, it was like 14, 15 heads on each side. We got together, like it was like motherfucking outsiders or some <laughs> shit. We thought it was gonna be a rumble, dog. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. I remember just the circle at the time who he was probably the leader of our crew at the time seeing it. It was his crew. He says, all right, Brisk, I want you to do all the talking, man. He's like, just, you know, lay down what we want, what, what we want the battle to be. Just let him know we got your back. So I'm standing up there. I'm talking all this shit. Yeah, da, 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 da. Let's do this. Let's do this. And I'm looking over across at these guys from TM, and they're all a bunch of, you know, gangsters, man. They were, you know, they were ready to, they were ready to mob, man. They were ready to go at it. <laughs> but, you know, we got through that meeting. It was all of We ended up battling them, and, uh I mean, people know. I mean, if anybody knows history, knows that we straight represented Salt Lake City and was like, you know, this is our city. We're not letting a crew from another town come in and take over. We came and straight wrecked them. Uh, Chu was involved in that. I mean, everybody from SAD can. I mean, it was three nights of just killing. I remember Chance had did a train of SADs that was like almost almost a mile long on the 215 belt route. You know, when you're going down on those long sound barrier walls. And Igloo did the legendary Simply America's Dopest King spell out. I mean, I'm sure cats have seen that. That thing was humongous. It was like probably the first humongous spell out. It wasn't the first spell out. You got to give that to TBH. They had the tag blast and the hoods down on, I think it was 13 South Exit. You remember when you could see the that little building down below and there was that tag blast and hoods? I think that I think Sledge did it or yeah, was it Maze? Yeah, that's well, one of the one of the two. And you were there, didn't you? Because you had a character on that wall. I think you had a character uh, I, uh, I, one of your side <laughs> characters. But. Uh, yeah, that so that battle was that battle was crazy. Matter of fact, I got busted that night with Chu. Uh, actually, Chu didn't get busted because he was just dri- driving me and dropping me off. And I remember I got busted. Let me tell you this story. You got to tell me this story. <laughs> so the third night of our battle, basically by the second night, Sent had called me on the phone and said they were done, that, that we'd won the battle. He said people from his crew weren't getting down. They weren't participating. But we were like, fuck that. This third night, we're just going to keep finishing it. Because the boundaries were the 215 freeway walls and then from Main Street from... I can't remember what the boundaries were, like 2nd South up to 40th South, just down Main Street. For for people listening, that's that's probably approximately 15 to nearly 20 square mile uh, uh, radius. It's yeah. pretty much the Salt Lake Valley, Salt Lake City Valley floor between the mountains. Yeah. So I had this bike, right? I had this mountain bike and a mountain bike helmet. I think it was like I got it from my house or something and put it on the top of Chew's car. Like, okay, take me up to 45th, drop me off, I'll get on the bike and I'll just go down and you know mob you know just get get up you know he's like cool so he drops me off i get on my bike and i had this helmet on i was trying to look like a biker it was all late at night i had a backpack with some cans and a mountain bike start riding my bike i'm hitting up a few landmarks here and there getting up blah 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 and i get up to this building and as i'm pedaling my fucking pedal breaks off my right (laughs) pedal on my bike i'm like fuck my pedal just broke off so i'm fiddling with my pedal and i kind of get it in you know, I kind of get it in the in the little thing, you know, so it's working again. So I get back on my bike, and I see this wall, this little building. I was like, oh, I'm going to hit up right here. So I get off my bike to go hit this wall. I'm going to get out, fucking pull up my can, start busting. And from around the corner of this building, this fucking biker dude comes around the corner. Hey! Fucking, I, like, turn my, oh, <laughs> shit. I was straight busted. And my bike's right there. He's like, don't you think about running? Don't you kind of walks up fast on me and grabs me, kind of grabs me by my, I have my backpack on. And I'll never forget. He grabs me by my backpack and just grabs me. And he fucking pulls me in. And then there's this other dude, this other biker dude. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. These guys take me in their building. And I see this big banner, and it's the Sundowners. Oh and, fuck! <laughs> and this this biker dude's like, so you are, you know the so the Sundowners are. He's like, man, he's like, we won't even call the cops. We'll just beat the shit out of you and leave you out in the street. And this and that, I'm scared. I'll tell you what, I was scared. I was like shaking. I was like, I, I'm in these guys. It's like two in the morning. I'm in some fucking garage or some bike garage. I don't know where the fuck I was. 
fucking scared out of my mind. These guys start asking me, what are you doing? What are you, a gangster? What are you out, you know, gangbanging? Da, 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 da. And I tell them, I'm like, I, I basically broke down what I was doing. I was like, well, I'm in this crew. Uh, we're graffiti writers. Uh, it's not, a, it's not about claiming territories, about claiming ups and claiming mass marts of the city. And I explained to them about TM coming from California and trying to take over our territory. And basically that we had Salt Lake City pride in this whole spiel. So by the time I got done talking to these guys, I had my pedal fixed and I was sent on my way. <laughs> Just so you guys know out there, uh, Sundowners, I don't know if they're uh, nationwide. They, they may be, but it's one of the hardest uh, motorcycle gangs. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like you escaped that one with the skin of your teeth. I did. And I'll tell you, by the end of the conversation, these guys were enamored. They were like, really? Tell us more. What's going on with this graffiti? Because we see it up everywhere. We just wonder, is this gang stuff? You know, they didn't know. I'm surprised you didn't recruit them. <laughs> No, man, I just got away, and I, I always tell people that story, like, oh, man, I I didn't know if I wanted to, I almost wanted them to call the cops, because I didn't know, because they were mad, and the way the dude grabbed me, he kind of just pulled me in, I couldn't do nothing, I was just, like, getting dragged along by my backpack, I was like, okay, I'm coming in, now you got me, I'm not going to try to fight you, I'm not going to try to run, and these two guys, you know, bigger than me, fucking, oh, I was scared, but I got away, and thank God, I was able to ride another day. <laughs> That's that's incredible, man. This close to wearing cement boots and being buried in the oh, lake. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's funny, man. I got crazy stories. Another time I was with Chu, man, and we was doing. We were in CAB together, and we were in Sugar House by where the old Red Man building used to be. And there used to be this big storage building that before they tore it down, this big old cement building. And when you're going up 21st, you could see this building at an angle. I think it used to be a skate rink or something. You might remember the building I was talking about. But then there used to be like a river that went down in yeah, there. Yeah, I remember the river. Like all that under, like weird brush. Anyway, we're doing this full-on piece. I had drew this CAB piece, and, you know, I was sketching my outline. We're on this wall. Me and Chu are standing there. And fucking, I'm painting, I'm going, and Chu's like, oh, fuck, a cop. And we see this cop driving slow, and then we see him turn his headlights off. And we're like, oh, shit. And then he drives up onto the thing. We're like, oh, shit. We start running. Chu goes one way, I go the other way. And as I'm going, I turn around this parking lot thing, and I don't realize it's like a three, four-foot drop. And I'm going, I don't see, boom, I fall down, you know, like three, four feet down. And I'm like, oh, shit, scrape myself up. So I get up, and I kind of, like, scramble into these bushes, dude. <laughs> And I had like this flannel jacket, you know, and I scramble into these bushes and I take this jacket off and I put it over me and I kind of lay down and I just kind of scooch up in these bushes trying to hope, you know, that, you know, they don't catch me. So I'm listening outside and I can hear radios and I can hear fucking cops walking around with dogs. And I'm just laying down there like, oh, fuck, let me just get through this. I, I think I got it because I heard a cop car drive right by me because there was like a little fronted road where I was laying. And I heard this cop car drive by me slowly and I could hear it. And I was like. Oh, that, that reminds me of like the Lord of the Rings when Frodo's hiding from the ring raids to one of the riders, you know? I can imagine you crept up under this, oh, <laughs> in dude, these I'm, bushes and cops just walking right above you. I was. So I'm in, I'm in these bushes, you know, hiding. And in the meantime, <laughs> Chu's already back to his car and he flew back to my parents' house in West Valley. And he wakes my parents up at like two in the morning. He's like, I think, you know, Briss got caught, da da da. He's like, but, you know, let me take your car. He ends up getting my parents' car to come back and try to look for me just in case the cops saw his car, you yeah. know? Yeah. This meantime, I'm laying here like 20, 25, 30 minutes go by. I'm laying, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Fuck, I just got away. I think if I just lay here another 10 minutes, fuck it. I, I think I'll be home free. I should lay another 20 minutes, and I'll just make sure. So I'm laying there five minutes past, but I'm like, fuck it. I think it's good. I look out in the bushes. I don't see no cops no more. I'm like, fuck it. I get down, and I get off out of the bushes, get on this road, and I go down in this gully. Remember that gully in Sugar House? Yeah. It was like, there was like, you could walk down, and there was water, and you're in trees. And I'm walking through this gully. It's all quiet. I'm like, cool. And then there's a chevron. You had to walk up this hill, and you'd be in the behind the chevron right there mm -hmm. on 21st. So as I'm walking up this hill, boom, phew, these lights hit me. Freeze! I'm like, oh, busted. I couldn't do shit, man. I was by myself. The next thing I know, cops are coming from down the hill and then from behind me. And I'm standing there. You know, I don't just, then I have my hands up. This cop just comes behind me, just boosh, just tackles me to the ground, dude. Tackles me to the ground, puts his boot and his knee into the back of my head, and he's twisting my arms behind my back. They're, you know, doing me in, and this cop's like, so where's, so where's your buddy? I'm like, oh, I'm not with nobody. I'm with, and I tried to tell them I was by myself. They weren't believing it. So they sent me in the car. And I'm sitting in this car by myself, and all these cops are outside talking. I can hear them talking. And the next thing I know, just this white dude, this white cop, I don't, I, I don't even remember his name. I remember what he looked like. Comes in, he puts his gloves on, and he opens the back doors. I'm sitting in the back seat of the cop car, handcuffed. He's like, so where's your friend at? Just let us know where your friend's at. You, know, you, know, you might not be able to get as much trouble if you tell us where your buddy's at. Because they were looking. They were, they were still looking for him. 
for cheap. And just just so you guys know out there, that's that's just the tactic they use. Fuck them. Don't say shit. Yeah, you don't say shit. You're fucked either way. <laughs> yeah. So next thing I was like, I don't have nobody. This cop, man, he fucking grabbed me by my neck with both of his hands. He starts squeezing my neck. He's like, I know you know where your friend is. Just talk to me. He's all squeezing my neck and talking to me all calm. And I started bawling. I started getting tears in my eyes. I was scared. This is another one. It was interesting. like, holy shit, a cop is choking me. I was fucking scared. It's fucking cops, you know, grabbing me. And then as soon as I started feeling lightheaded, he lets go and kind of pushes me against the, the seat. And then he shuts the door. And I got hit. I was like, holy shit. I started breathing uncontrollably. <coughs> I was like, these guys are going to fuck me up. I didn't know. Well, I mean, this is a cop. You're <laughs> supposed to be able to trust a cop. And I'm sitting there with my, with my fucking hands behind my back in handcuffs about ready to shit myself. You know, I was fucking scared out of my mind. I was like, they're going to fuck me up. So this other cop whose car I was in gets in the car and they're getting ready to take me. He takes me. And uh, I start talking to the talking to the cop, and by this time I'm pissed. I'm like, dude, this cop just choked me, and, I'm not, and I say something to the cop about it. And the cop turns around and kind of laughs. He's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "He's like, you shouldn't even be saying that kind of stuff. That's ridiculous." And he just keeps driving. I'm like, "Wow, just just like that, man. That's just gonna be how it is, you know." So I end up getting booked. I went to jail. Blah blah blah. There, and that was that story. But I could not believe it, man. Crooked ass cop boy put his hands on me like I was some kind of deviant, man. We just out bombing. That was all it was. It's not like we were trespassing or trying to break we're, into We're planting shit. bombs or oh, something. Yeah, we Jesus, were, and you're treated like a terrorist. Yeah, and the thing about us is our is our crew, man, man we, we, we were about bombing city landmarks. We never bombed people's houses. We never bombed private businesses. We were about city landmarks, shit that we all get taxed on, yeah. shit that they have a budget for. They got a budget to clean that shit. They got a budget to buffer. You got to give John the Buffer a, a job. You know, yeah. I feel like we were giving jobs to people, you know, <laughs> and it's, you know, so I don't know. It, it was crazy. Man. Well, as much as up as you guys were, I mean, you were, you were, you were like employing full time crews, dude, out yeah. there, I think you guys were up. Yeah. You guys were up. And I remember I, uh, I'm glad you clarified that though, too, just about your, your own respect towards like the community, not bombing houses and shit like that. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of kids today just think anything's fucking game. And, uh, you know, I, I personally, for me, um, I always had more respect for kids that could realize that, you know, people bust their ass just to own a home. Yeah. Fucking it up's not always cool, but uh, city it's shit, city cool. shit, city shit Anything is fucking Anything that we game. are taxed on. City Anything shit that is city, game. Yeah, that we're taxed on. That's light poles, city curbs, you know, you know, shit like that. It was, it was, you know, free game. Freeway signs, forget about it. You know? <laughs> forget about it. They got motherfuckers that are going to clean that shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah were you in any other obviously you were in SADK several crews like that um uh do you ever have you ever written outside of state do you ever ever hook up with writers outside of state or I've painted a couple times with cat with cats uh actually the times that I painted with cats that were famous from out of state is I did a wall with Poem from Oakland from oh, TDK word. out in Oakland and he was out here you know this is when we had our store and he was out here on some work shit cuz he worked for the sanitation department and he was in Utah, and they came into our our store somehow. He found out about Function, and he wanted to do a wall. They were only there in town for three days. Him and his family was with his wife and his kids. And we ended up going in Kearns and painting this wall. And that was dope. And I remember at that time, I was fast. At that time, I, I was hardcore. I was a good-ass painter. I considered myself ill, like, you know, be able to rock a piece and shit. But I remember putting next to this guy, I remember by the time he was done with his letters and getting ready to outline, I had just barely was filling in my R. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, fuck. <laughs> He's so outpainted me. It was ridiculous. This guy had years in the game. So that was cool. And another time was uh, Clown and Caddy from Oakland. They came into town and we did that same wall. And they were just freight riders from this crew called Tits. I think they were from Oakland. You know? So, I mean, I've met a lot of riders. I've met some legends. Futura 2000. I met uh, Lee. You know, I met dudes like that. Uh, Stash. Scene. You know, I've been able to meet cool writers and i just met cope just this last year when i was out in new york doing some music stuff Word. uh he was just happened to be at this studio man i was like holy shit fucking cope's here yeah. i was tripping so i got a fat flick with cope and had him you know he gave me a fat ass you know classic cope throw in my back of my bag i was hyped and this was this was uh for music that brought you out there yeah, I I, uh, I landed a, tr a track on Karish One's new album, so they flew me out to New York, and they were doing this whole Stop the Violence movement thing. So they had all kinds of artists coming in and out, dropping verses, and people doing interviews. It was really cool. And Cope was just one of the people that happened. I mean, there was a ton of a shit ton of rappers that I grew up on as well that I got to meet and had them sign shit. But meeting Cope to me was extra special. Matter of fact, my manager, dude Dorsey from L.A., was who was with me. 
And uh, he was like, why are you so excited to meet the, who is that guy? And I'm like, dude, that's Cope. That's Cope too. King Cope from New York, bro. You don't even understand. You don't even understand the fucking influence. That's like, you know, being a B-boy. If you're a true school hip hop B-boy, meeting somebody like Cope too, that's like meeting fucking St. Paul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, in, in terms of, you know, if you can use biblical terms or whatever. It was awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that's Floyd. He's always been a big inspiration to me. That's amazing that uh, you know you start off writing with cans on the walls and getting up for. Uh, what was your motivation originally? Just to get up, and just stuff? to be up, just to be everybody see my name everywhere they went. You know, because you know, uh, I started writing brisk probably late ninety one, early ninety two. I remember. How, how did you come up with that name too? Because so before I was writing brisk, I had a slew of names. I wrote dome. I wrote other. I wrote uh, X-Men in ninth grade. <laughs> X-Men, that's hilarious. We had a crew in ninth grade. It was called One Hard Life. One Hard Life. Yeah, X-Men, that's hilarious. My X- boy Phoenix was intense. He wrote intense. And I remember his tag was so ill, dude. Intense. I used to think that was a shit. But it's anyway. funny because right now as you say that, you're like, I can see your his eyes are rolling back in his head a little bit and you're, you're being drawn back clear back decades ago, you know, and your hand is actually moving, tracing yeah, the, in the air this image that you're seeing of his writing styles is yeah, so dope, dude. dude. Yeah, it was, oh yeah, so that, you know, that was dope. But what was I saying? Oh, how did I get my name? How did you get your name? Yeah, So yeah. I was writing these names and then... Uh, what, 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 my, my cousin Dan, he wrote Remedy for SADK. His name was Remedy. He, he had a short probably eight month span where he was just killing it hardcore mm-hmm. he was on the news and shit and he was killing it but uh we were writing and uh this was before being in the city and he wrote he says man you write so we went out and it was remember uh uh what was it called the field uh where the you know where the bees play but it used to be a different dirks field dirks, yeah. that's what it was called before they built the new baseball stadium, it was called dirks field and that was the first wall i wrote brisk on i hadn't even practiced it on paper or nothing my my cousin had just said that and i was like "Ooh, that's hard brisk it's got an s and a k and ooh, that's hard good letters so i remember that that was the first place i wrote it was on the back of uh dirks field on over there on 13th south you know where the new baseball yeah, like field, main where street or something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where franklin covey is now it used to be an old baseball field there and that's where the ooh, the salt lake goals that was the name <laughs> of the team that played there the baseball team so yeah that was the first place i wrote it so that was like i would say late early 92 Late 91, early 92. I, it's hard for me. I get mixed up with years, but yeah, around there when I came up with Brisk. And that just has stayed with me ever since. That's been my DJ name, my producer name. I never, it should be my name. I mean, everybody calls me Brisk. Brisk, Briscoe. Briscoe you know, County. I mean, Brisco. everybody knows. I always called you Briscoe County, man. <laughs> that's, that show that was on for like a year. Most cats are going to listen like, what's that? Briscoe yeah, County. County. What the hell is that? I remember a bunch of uh, bombing and stickers that you had put up. Like uh, That became a, a really quick way for writers to get up is just to be able to spend a lot more time on a little sticker and do it. And I remember um, in, in, in Salt Lake downtown walking around, and this probably was 94 or something like that, <laughs> and I kept seeing the stuff, uh, uh, the rhinestone cowboy, Brisk. <laughs> And the illest fucking letters, dude. This little character, dude. I'm on the rhinestone cowboy. That dude's off the rocker, dude. I was so stoked. Like that, you know, it was it was really inspiring to me because like, uh, uh, well, it's, this isn't about me, but I just was really excited to see your own creative imagination and yeah. and how, how, how opposite in some creative aspects it was from, from my traditional roots and what an inspiration that was for me. And I know yeah. for everybody else who saw you because just as you were competitive because of other people, like your competitiveness, I think, really set up a playing field, a fucking standard that in which Salt Lake has yet still to return to or step up to. Okay, on that note, on that note, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say I don't think bombing in Salt Lake has been the way it was up to like 96, 97 when we was doing it. But in that respect, I'm going to say this. Like, it's different now. The laws are different, and fools are up on it now. Back then, the gang task force were the guys in charge of watching out for the graffiti. Now, as far as I've, as I've heard, there's like three or four police officers that their only job is to – watch the graffiti and investigate follow and fucking detectives and, find out who, and yeah. who's who there was this fucker cop De- detective glover he's the one that ended up raiding my parents house with a search warrant that was when i ended up going to jail for that time they came into my house man they didn't have they have nothing they they, they wanted me to tell them who was all in sadk they trying to and i was like crazy you know, I was a hard-headed kid from West Valley, dude. Shit. <laughs> Fuck, you crazy. You think I'm going to open my mouth? You nuts. What do you think? I'm some kind of fool? Hell no. So, man, ugh, 
I didn't want to get into all that, dude. That was such a fucking hassle. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's awesome though, you know, because now you're doing. Uh, you, how did you, how did you get into? Well, I'd like to get into how did you get into music in a minute. Um, uh, before that, though, now did you ever paint trains? I remember an experience where you and I painted trains. <laughs> well, I think it was the first time you and I actually painted, maybe, and uh-huh. we were painting. We we're doing a train down at uh, you know one of the big yards. If you guys don't know this out there, but Utah is one of the main layover. Uh, places for for Western uh, 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 Union Pacific and and the other uh, rail line uh, where they just stack deep one of the one of the main main junctions I guess for Wasn't railways. The, isn't the biggest one in Ogden? I think so. I think I Deja think so. was saying that. I think that's how he came up with the whole Golden Spike Empire. <laughs> Real quick, let me go on a side note. Let me fit oh, this go ahead, in. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Do your thing, do your I, thing. I, I got to give props to Deja and Crook because back around that time, like 95, they were working at uh, Kinko's, right? Mm. So they had this job at Kinko's, and they were able to make stickers, and they were able to use that good-ass shit, the good stickers, and do, like, full-on printed-out, ill-ass stickers, like some shit you'd buy in a store that you'd get to order. So for a short time there, there was a slew of brisk stickers that were printed out, and they had these cool little sayings, and they were cool fucking ill-ass stickers, and those were courtesy of Crook and Deja. Got to give them props for that, because... <laughs> People still ask me about them stickers, man, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you got into trains, though. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy trains? Do you prefer trains? Or do you prefer just rocking murals? For walls, you man. I mean, being a rider, man, I just wanted to get up. I wanted people where I live, in my community, people around me to see my name. Now, riding on a train and it was fun, and it was all fun and dandy. It was like do some fill and throw, or you do some pieces on trains. It was cool, get your flick. But then I, I when it would when it was the next day, I'd always feel like something was incomplete. You know, it was like getting a hand job and not getting finished off. You know, because oh. <laughs> nobody saw it. You know, yeah. nobody talked about it. It was just gone the next day. Like that train was gone. I never got to see my piece again. So I was always a city dude. I always loved writing in the city more, and I was always about tagging and just getting up. You know, mobbing. I gotta say though, I was I was making a point and I got sidetracked about the new writers today and you know getting up or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions and there are cats that have really done it and really taken bombing to the uh, a higher level than what we did. Like we got up on the you know freeways and did the suicides. I you know I did a, f- a fresh suicide. I remember Mays did a fresh suicide. A few of us had some ill ass suicides. The suicides where you climb out on the freeway thing. Now. When I seen animal suicide on the I-80, you go on I-80 heading west eastbound, he was on the high thing. And this shit was, it was multicolored throwy, and it was style, too. It wasn't just a throwy. It was like some some keyed out letters that were filled in. I was like, I blew my fucking mind. So from then on, when I saw it, I, I started seeing uh, a, a AF and UG, and I loved it because it reminded me of that SEDK flavor. Mm-hmm. I liked the mob, and I liked seeing a little UG tag somewhere, a little AF tag. The two-letter thing was kind of clever. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely, definitely got to give give it up to those dudes because the AF crew is really one crew that I've seen that's really put it down. You see rooftops. You still see buffed-out rooftops, you know? I don't think their reign was as long, but, you know, they, they're still young, and I'm sure they got up-and-coming riders that are still representing, man. I'm, I'm excited to see some more AF shit, for sure. I am, too. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, when um, – I got, like, a billion questions I want to ask you, you know, really. But let me try to do this so I don't just uh, – uh, fire hydrant all over you here. Um Obviously, you wanted to get up just because of, uh, you know, you liked, you liked seeing that up. You were, you were competitive and stuff. What what are your feelings about graffiti art now? Now that you, I mean, do you still paint at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still draw. I still paint. You know, get together and do you know pieces with the homies every once in a while. It's not. It's definitely not as relevant in my life as it was, as it was when I was younger. Because now, you know, between you know having a recording studio, doing music and DJing, I'm out of town a lot. You know, just just that whole grind has really taken me in a different direction. But I. I, I owe all of my success and everything that I'm blessed to do now, I owe it all to graffiti. You know what I'm saying? Without graffiti, without becoming brisk, none of, the, of anything that I'm doing now would have would have existed. You know what I'm saying? And the same goes for those cats that I wrote with, that, that, that I came up with, cats like Chew, you know, cats like Igloo and Shrek. And the first dudes in Chance and dudes that I painted with so consistently, man, those were like, we built brotherhoods, man. We built friendships. We built friendships that have lasted you know 10 15 years me and you for example i've been friends with you for years and those relationships came from graffiti so i that you know what what's that's so such a positive thing to be able to you know make friends and you know make relationships like that 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 come from spawn from the same desire to want to get up and paint on a wall <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i do man i do 
So like, yeah, man. So it's definitely been a blessing. Graffiti's definitely been a been a blessing. And man, I'm 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 all about the writers. Like you see me at a spot. If you see me at the hip hop spot and you're a writer, man, hit me up, man. I love talking to writers because I I am I'm a I'm you know I'm a grown ass man, but I cannot get bombing out of out of my out of my system. Last year, I bought a. Uh, uh, marker from Uprock, man. Just I was over there fucking. I was like, oh, you know, let me get one of these. Fat, it was a what are the multo fat markers? Took one of them joints, and I was hitting up here and there, you know. And and I was like, I better stop because I got too much shit to lose. Because I was like, fuck. I, I was finding myself out in the middle of the day. I was there's this Quiznos downtown on like Third South in the middle of the day. I'm like, fuck it. I walk up next to this electrical box and I'm all like in, you know, trying to be all like not sneaky looking <laughs> over my shoulder and shit. Probably looking fucking. <laughs> conspicuous as fuck <laughs> fucking tagging my name up and fucking as I walk away this guy looking at me I'm like man I better stop I'm gonna end up fucking back in jail dog <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man yeah, yeah. you know it's easy to get addicted again man yeah, so dope totally totally so dope totally. so you know thinking back throughout your, your history one of the things I'd like to ask you is did you ever have any beefs or battles that perhaps influenced you in a negative way, either your art or your personality as a human being? Um, you know, I think I think maybe six years ago I could have said, yeah, maybe there were some things. But now that I look back on any, any everything that happened, all the little wars and all the little shit talkings and all the little beefs and all the little cross outs and all that little shit that happened, dude, I thank God all that shit happened because that's what made our scene what it was. That's what made... Salt Lake Graffiti, what it was. It was like the little wars with, you know, a matter of fact, was, you know, that crew war. Remember War Crew? Mm -hmm. We had a little battle with them. Sliced them up, you know. We never had problems with these little, you know, with little, little crews. So, mm, there was never really hardcore beefs. I mean, there were situations. Me and Sledge had our problems for a while. But, well, again, that was just because we didn't know each other. And, and full, like, like graffiti's about ego. If you see somebody else getting up, you're not liking that. Fuck that shit, you know. Fuck them. I'm going to get up more than them. And and I'm sure in their part of town, they felt like they were the originators. You know, they were they they felt like they were the ones. There. And where we were, we didn't know about them. They didn't know about us. We felt like we were the originators. Mm -hmm. So that's where that whole thing came up. And once we all met, it was all love. It was like, wow. You know, it's really more fun to be friends with somebody who's involved in the same kind of shit, especially in a city like Utah when there wasn't a lot of writers back then. The community was maybe 20, 30 heads, you know, of cats that were good and doing it. It was small. It was tight knit, and everybody knew each other. Um, but nah, man, there's been no beefs that have carried on that have really lingered. It's all been love, man. I mean, can you think of any um, major battles or beefs that you had that shaped you or shaped your talent for the good? Um, yeah, yeah, having people like Sledge, you know, <laughs> calling you at your house, screaming at you and shit, motherfucker, you know, that made you want to get better, because I was like, damn, these guys sound nuts, and I heard stories, you know, you know, we always hear the stereotypes, the straight edge guys, they're going to blow up the McDonald's, or, you know, don't fuck, don't fuck around with those straight edges, they'll cut you with a straight razor and shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, so stuff like that. Yeah. It definitely made you better. It made you more competitive. It made you more on edge. It made you like, all right, fuck it. He freaked his shit like this. I'm going to freak mine like this. You know, I'm going to do it better. Or I'm going to do it like this. So, you know, all those little confrontations really shape you as a writer, man. And I love, you know, and, and, and to this day, I love that dude. Like Sledge, like, fuck, I, I, uh, I seen him not too long ago being able to talk to him. You know, later it's just like fuck. You know, being grown up now, it's like and, and talking about those days is so fun. Yeah, it's so fun, and I love it. And whenever I see writers, especially cats from back in the day, we always take time to stop and talk and like, oh man, what you been up to? Da 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 da. da. You know, it's cool, and it's cool to go to like for the last couple of years that dude Chase from Uprock was doing those outside things at the park. Yeah, he was letting cats come paint hip hop at the park. Hip hop yeah. at the park. And that was cool because I got to meet some, you know, the new younger, new generation writers, kids that were doing their thing, you know. But then, and then, in the same respect, you kind of feel like, man, I want to be part of this again. I want to be in this scene. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to just be brisk, the fucking guy who did it. I want to be, you know, the brisk, the guy who does it. And that's why, that's where the graffiti for me gets touchy because it comes like an addiction again, yeah. like it was. And, and then I'll start, you know, thinking about it and I'll start finding myself scribbling throwies when I should be doing work on Pro Tools. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's basically, you know, where it, where it happens, man. Shit. How did you get started? Uh, we're going to 
even just talk lightly just about the music and stuff. Like, uh, you know, I know that you've done uh, music for KRS-One, dropped some beats down on hit on there. Uh, it seems that uh, at locally you're one of the most um, – just as writers would be the most up if they could be in their game, you seem to be one of the most talented and gifted as far as engineering beats and and doing what you're doing now. I know that a lot of people want your music, and it almost seems like you 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 know you almost don't even have enough time to be able to assist others. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. How how did that? At what point in the graffiti did you notice that you were fascinated about music? How did you start getting inspired to start really? exploring that side of your creative genius and contribution well in 96 when we opened function at uh, before that before we opened our store dumpy had his store he had the hip-hop shop blasting which was the first hip-hop shop in salt lake and fate one tbh aod yeah going into his going into his store a matter of fact the first time i ever saw a graffiti magazine or even knew they existed we didn't even know graffiti magazines was going to his shop and seeing can control yeah. And another thing, another another thing, a lot of people don't know is like we didn't have tips before Dumpy neither. We had to make our own tips or uh, tricks from out of state of cutting the slit in the tip to make it fatter or, or find a certain tip off of a uh, kitchen cleaner, you know, to find that white tip that had the fat end, you know, yeah. that'd give you that softball flare. It wasn't until he opened his shop and started selling tips that cats had flares, that cats even had the ability to do that. So you got to give it up to Dumpy for you know bringing that to Salt Lake and bringing magazines like Can Control. Like when I saw Can Control, whoa! I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it was like fucking crack high, dog. I I, I must have looked at that issue of Can Control a hundred times, and I know all of us were influenced by seeing those magazines or seeing pictures of graffiti from out of state. You know, and then you started seeing cats do. Remember, remember when you guys did the water towers? Yeah. You know, and you guys well, Sledge and all them heads did. Yeah, I wasn't on the water calories quite yet. And then yeah. Hua, he had his wall. I mean, remember, remember Hua, and he had that wall in his house that where the volleyball court was. Like spots like that were places where cats, I think, really t- honed in their styles and really took this, the piecing and letters with colors and feelings to the next level. Was you know, I think blasting had a lot to do with that. And did know? that is that how you got started with some music too? I mean, how did you start really? Um, yeah, I got, I got after the graffiti. I mean, because there was only a couple kids. I mean, I don't even remember when we first started. I remember when Dumpy first fought his turntables. I kind of thought he was crazy. I'm like, well, you spent a thousand dollars on turntables, dude. I'm like, we're graffiti writers, dog. You know, yeah, I never said that to him. You know, it's a bad love to Dumpy. You know it's what I'm funny, saying? Because when we was in but, high school, well, thank God he did though. We, yeah, no shit. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> when I was in high school, I always wanted to be a DJ. I always for real. To yeah, no, I really put, you know, you never knew how it worked, you know. <laughs> Where do you buy turntables? I remember one time I went to this wedding and the DJ had turntables at this wedding. I remember I was like, oh shit, I was there with my parents and I remember how excited I was with turntables. Anyways, we got function. We got that going in like 96. That was basically a hip hop shop, kind of like up rock, a little bit different. We sold graffiti supplies, markers, tips. We were, you know, we sold records and just basically your everyday hip-hop shop is basically what, what you know what we were and through that with the records and i started djing i started djing in early probably early 96 within six months of, of djing i was luckily and fortunate blessed enough to be asked to be on the radio with dumpy and sean phillips and dj dale so i'd been djing six months i was already on the what radio. was that show called that you were toss solid <laughs> toss out cats even talk to me still to this day certain cats say remember taping that shit Taping that show because the only place you could hear like underground or the new st- underground stuff that was coming out. The real, the real underground hip hop. Yeah, right? no, just that was like the, yeah, yeah, that was just like the first thing. So you know, I was DJing, and I would say early '97, uh, this guy named Fanatic moved to Salt Lake, and he stayed out here for six months. Fanatic was a producer from the Bay Area, and at the time, he had a record out called Unassisted that he had produced for this rapper named Rasco. Now, you couldn't go to any underground spot without hearing the unassisted. Like any cypher where dudes was freestyling or just a party where fools were rocking underground shit, you're going to hear unassisted because that was the record. So having this guy in Salt Lake was like, whoa, we got Fanatic, he's going to be staying here. He came into our studio, uh, taught us how to make beats, showed us how to use our machines, our ADAP machines, you know, and basically just put us on the game, put us up hip to game. And from like 97 on, I just been making beats and DJing hardcore, and that just became more and more of a focus. And then around... 0102 I was like damn I could probably make a living out of this you know I could probably you know fools was liking the beats people by 99 we had our first 12 inch out with Bahamadia she was a rapper from Philly DJ Premier produced her first album so I mean the music thing just kind of came about but it came from graffiti it definitely for me the music came from graffiti could it ever happened without graffiti 
No, because I don't think I would have been involved in hip-hop as much as I was with our graffiti. I think I would have been a regular dude. I would have just probably been going to college, working a regular job, and, you know, it might have just been a side thing, but I don't think it would have ever came into fruition the way it did through graffiti, through hip-hop culture, my exposure to that and those people. People like Dumpy, uh, you know, uh, DJ Champ, Eddie, uh, DJ Sam I Am. Those were the first guys that really got me into turn to do being a DJ like I go to their parties in Magna they, they were, these were some of the most legendary hip hop parties from the old scene that Cats remember was going to Eddie's house for his parties in Magna and I remember they had turntables there and I was just like wow seeing it up close and being to be able to touch it and actually you know do it Eddie's turntables were the first turntables I ever got to scratch on and I ever got to mix on so I always got to give Sam and Eddie credit for being the guys that really got me into DJing and now I'm able to you know totally sustain myself through production and DJing I get to go out of state and play clubs, you know. Been to Tampa twice. Get to go to Dago, Cali, just you know, just to play shit, you know. So it's really, it's like, it's like, it's like graffiti in a different way for me. I've taken that same love and passion that I had for graffiti and put it into in, into music, you know. For for kids worldwide right now, just sitting back and saying, God, I wish I could just make some money from 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 you know doing my art, or I know that you know I'm sick or particularly gifted with what I do. Um, what words of encouragement or or advice? I mean, if they could just hear your your advice and you could speak directly to them just right now, I would say about their dream. What would you say? I would say you definitely have to find your niche, whether you're a writer or a musician, a rapper, a DJ, a guy who makes beats. In hip-hop, the beautiful thing about hip-hop culture is it's all new and it's created from other elements. Graffiti art, uh, music, sampling, it's all other pieces of pop culture and music culture and art. You know, We take bits and pieces of all these other cultures and make it hip-hop. And I think within that area, if, you know, if that's the kind of person you are, you need to find your niche. If you're a, a writer who does you know, 3Ds, dope ass 3ds man then make that be your focus and do 3d sculptures you know or just find something they're going to make people notice you like your niche the thing that makes you good you know what i'm saying like for me like i was just known for having cool throwies and just good ass writing i mean i was just an all-around utility writer i could do pieces you just do everything i wasn't the greatest at all of them but i, I just did them all you know what i'm saying you just got to find that one thing that makes you good you know that one little piece and you just grow from that and build off of it when, if people are um, thinking, I mean, let me ask you a question. Were there ever times in your graffiti experience where you just kind of wanted to retire because uh, the needs for maybe money or were the things in your life were so great? Or, or did you ever, did you ever, I mean, have you ever had to consider retiring graffiti or you just want to let that happen? What? Well, the biggest thing that stopped me <laughs> from writing graffiti was that last time I went to jail. I mean, I've been to jail for I've been to jail four times for graffiti, and uh, towards the end of that, the cops they knew me. They would hassle me. They would call me by name. I remember one time I got pulled over in West Valley, and the Oriental cop took my license and he takes it back to the thing, and he comes back. He's like, "Oh, Brisk, uh, SADK, huh?" You know, they had me on this field car. They knew, you know, so it was really hard. And and there was times where I was like, you know, I'll change my name. I'll come back out with a name. I was like, fuck that. I worked too hard to build up my name. Fuck that. You know, I'm not going to change my name. This is my name. I'm a, I am who I am, Brisk. And if you can see me, you know, if I decide to get up, I'm not going to change my name. I'm going to still write Brisk. Still write Brisk. So, there's never been nothing that's made me want to quit. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I've been fortunate enough to be able to live hip hop culture and have it pay my bills. Awesome. You know, get my house and 